What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, Mayor Lightfoot is under fire for her political connection to the Chicago fire. Ed Burke says bye-bye to City Hall. And deck the halls with boughs of holly. I've got some great guests to help me look back on the week from WTTW Heather Sharon and the new host of The Rundown from WBEZ, Aaron Allen. It's Friday, December 2nd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that song been stuck in my head for weeks, G. I just want to rock, rock, rock. All right. Welcome to CityCast, y'all. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. Aaron, I know that you are a, like a twice removed Chicago transplant. You came yeah. and you left and you missed us. So you came <laughs> back. Like, what's your piece of advice for somebody considering moving to Chicago or somebody who just moved here? I would say, you know, one of the things that's been top of mind for me right now is this this time around, I live downtown, whereas before I lived in Uptown, I lived in Pilsen, and uh, downtown is, is real different um, <laughs> than living in the neighborhoods. Um, and so I would say if you're new here, just know that Chicago is a neighborhood type of place. You're going to get a different feel depending on what hood you're in. I think, yeah, get around, go to different places. Just because you're in Chicago doesn't mean you're getting the full Chicago experience. Um, facts. Yeah. And you can feel good in your neighborhood. You're going to get restaurants. You might find your little local dive bar, find your, you know, your running route. But like you said, every single community area, every single neighborhood has all of those little gyms. Uh, and, you know, check out our neighborhood guy. We just got back from Inglewood yesterday with my boy Deion Dawson. And uh, if you ain't never been there, you know, we give you a, a quick little rundown of Inglewood. Uh, Heather, you've been here. You've done that. If people need to know about the ins and outs of Chicago, they can come to you. But what's a piece of advice you want to give a new Chicagoan? Um, do not, do not call deep dish pizza Chicago style pizza because you will be mocked. You will be run out of town. It will be painful for everybody involved. So Chicago style pizza is tavern style pizza cut into squares and eaten while sitting at a bar. Now, please go eat some deep dish if you want to feel like a tourist again. But if you are trying to build up those Chicago bona fides, you want to get yourself some thin crust pizza cut into squares put some sausage on that and you'll be okay also don't drive downtown get on the l just, just do it just get on the l now that's some fantastic advice i will say though 
I had deep dish pizza earlier this week. I'm just gonna say it. I ordered a tavern <laughs> style right next to it. I got a thin and a deep, but I smashed it and it was good. Uh, and I had it later in the day. So, you know, it is what it is. Do you? Uh, but shout out to Aaron. Shout out for Heather uh, for their advice. And stay on the lookout for that Chicago transplant episode. Uh, it'll be in your in your feed very soon. Every Friday, I like to break down the stories from across the city, but I like a little twist on it. I like to ask our guests, what were the stories that were important to you, the ones that you were following? And so, Heather, let's start with you. The filing deadline for the municipal election was this Monday, but even just a couple days later, we already got a little drama drama brewing. Can you break down what that is for us? That's right. So we've got 11 candidates for mayor. Oh now, God. nine of those candidates are major candidates. You know, they've got a significant amount of resources and are, are you know, going to make a go of it. Mayor Lightfoot turned in 40,000 signatures. and the, But the, the big news this week has been the fact that 57 days after the city council approved a proposal she backed to take land once owned by the CHA where thousands of people lived only to see those buildings torn down under Richard M. Daley when he was mayor, that that land is now going to become a training facility for the Chicago Fire. And shortly after that made its way through the city council solely because Mayor Lightfoot put her whole shoulder into it the owner of the Chicago Fire gave her $25,000. Now, you can give anybody running for mayor basically any amount of money you want unless you are a company or a person doing business with the city of Chicago. In that case, you're limited to $1,500. So the issue of the complaint filed by Alderman Ray Lopez, who is not a fan of Light, Lightfoot by any stretch of the And it's not one of those 11 candidates. He, he was expected not, to be running, but you know, yes. he, he knew it wasn't going to happen. He knew what he knew. What <laughs> but so he says that should have that zoning change, because that's technically what the city council did, should have meant he was subject to that fifteen hundred dollar limit. Now, the mayor's campaign told me they didn't do anything wrong. Joe Mansueto, the Chicago fire owner, said he's proud to support the mayor and that he wants to help her revitalize the west side, which is where this training facility is going to be. But this is a really, I think, important question for the mayor to answer because way back in 2019, she won her spot in the mayor's office by vowing to root out corruption and the Chicago way and pay to play politics. And Alderman Lopez said, look, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's a duck. This is pay to pay politics. So we'll have to see now what the inspector general does, what the board of ethics does. But this is going to be something that the mayor herself is is going to be asked mm -hmm. about in the coming days. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that point of like pay to play, because, again, we all have been very critical of how CHA land has been used for everything but public housing and bringing families back. Uh, and, and this multi-million dollar training facility for this billion dollar soccer owner mm. who is now just given even more money to the mayor's office. You know, like it, even if everything's above the table, what, what did Joe Ferguson, the former inspector general, say to me? Just because it's not illegal doesn't mean it's not corrupt. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those situations where it's walking like a duck. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
But I also want to ask this, because of the person who filed it, being Ray Lopez, somebody who is often critical of the mayor, does that in itself feel politically motivated? Absolutely. So he dropped out of the mayor's race saying that he didn't want to basically crowd out the race and make it more likely that she would be reelected. So his bias and his objective is clear here. He has a political goal, and this is one way to do it. So two things can be true at the same time. Right. It's possible that the inspector general investigates this and that they think that there's something wrong here. But it's also a political maneuver. Aaron, I want to get your top story here. Uh, You know, since the Supreme Court's decision some months back, so much focus has been put on, I guess, the pressure that will ultimately fall on Illinois as the states around us continue to to restrict and and withhold abortion care. And your story today kind of talks about one of the efforts that's coming out of Illinois to help people in those more vulnerable states. Can you break that down for us? Yeah. So as you said, Illinois is one of a few states in the in the U.S. where abortion care is still legal and mostly accessible. Um, And there's actually a few aircraft pilots who are thinking about those states where it is not legal, right, where it's not accessible. And uh, there's a nonprofit. It's called Elevated Access. It just started back in April. And it's a it's a collection of pilots, almost a thousand volunteer pilots of small aircrafts who ferry people seeking abortion care from places where it's not legal to places where it is, like Illinois and other states. And there are a lot of risks to this, you know, as yeah. you might think. This is a, a tense issue. <laughs> right. They say, they say in the in the air, the laws are interesting. But when you get on the ground in a place or to another place, you, you're, you're vulnerable to, to what's on the books in that state. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, a lot of these pilots are really trying to remain anonymous for that reason. But they've gotten a lot of support. Um, They're getting funding from individual and kind of larger donors. Um, They also have a lot of volunteer pilots, as I mentioned, that are signing up. And like hobbyists, people who have just like who are either they do this for fun or maybe they're retired or used to have a career in aviation. Um, And I even saw that people have been finding out about it through social media and be like, hey, I got my license. I I would love to help out. Exactly. And um, what they're doing is they're using these tiny planes and they're flying in between tiny airports, which are often more accessible for residents in rural areas. And then the other thing is that these smaller airports have more relaxed security and relaxed surveillance. They're focusing on keeping everybody's information private, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Aaron, it's been so cool to see just how much like mutual aid, how innovative people, how much people have come together uh, to provide community. You've had the mayor and the governor openly state that they'll do everything they can to make Illinois a, a safe haven for people seeking abortion, people performing them. But as these innovative methods come up, are you worried on how the states around us will respond to this increased sort of, you know, uh, across state lines kind of mutual aid? You know, it's definitely, you know, as a person who can become pregnant, you know, like it's, it's something that I think about for myself. I think about it, you know, on behalf of the folks who may be listening, who are wanting to access abortion care. Um, it, it's definitely a possible concern. Um, you know, as far as I can tell, as long as you're focusing on that privacy, focusing on, you know, alleviating some of the surveillance tactics and things, it can be mitigated a bit. Um, that backlash. But, you know, I think it's always it's always good to keep your head on a swivel.
Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you could transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. Every week we want to make sure we're talking about the underhyped stories too, the stories that maybe aren't on the front page or you know in the headlines, but uh, our city and our people need to hear about just as much. Heather, I'm gonna bring it back to you because while this one may not have you know uh, fallen under the radar. I think the move itself was a little low key. And so break down one of the things we learned uh, on the filing deadline on Monday. So we were all abuzz on Monday waiting to see whether Alderman Ed Burke would run for a 15th term as the alder person for the 14th ward, which is on the southwest side. Now, if you don't know who Ed Burke is, it's because he has been under the radar for the last four years since being indicted on 14 counts of racketeering, bribery, extortion, really just the whole kitchen sink of corruption I'm not into charges. numerology, but that 14. Mm. Yeah, right? Just follow him on yeah. my ass. It's a lot to keep straight when you're writing on deadline. I'm not going to lie. He won't stand trial until November 2023, mostly because of the pandemic and all the court delays and the fact that the evidence in his trial includes, wait for it, 9,000 tape-recorded phone calls of him what and federal prosecutors say doing dirty deeds. So he could have run for re-election. He chose not to. And this is really the end of an era in Chicago politics that I struggle to describe. So he, he, he will be best known for leading the 29 white aldermen who thwarted former mayor Harold Washington at every possible opportunity. And they were an explicitly racist response to the first black mayor of Chicago. And the fact that Ed Burke remained so powerful for so long after conducting himself that way, I think is something that the city of Chicago has yet to really grapple Mm -hmm. with. And I cannot stop thinking about how when the city council paid tribute to the Reverend Jesse Jackson, his 80th birthday. So Ed Burke gets up. So if you remember a little bit about Jesse Jackson, he, during the 90s, there had been an American pilot who had been shot down and captured by Serbian President Slobodan Milosevic, who was a war criminal and a dictator. So Jesse Jackson flew to Serbia, negotiated the pilot's release, and flew back to Chicago with the pilot. And it was 
a whole big deal. So Jesse Jackson gets off the plane and he walks over to the cameras and the reporters are asking him, you know, what was it like to negotiate with Slobodan Milosevic? How did you handle yourself? And he said, now this is vintage Jesse Jackson, right? He says, well, it wasn't that bad. I, I, I was schooled here in Chicago by negotiating with Ed Burke and Ed Noliak. So Edward <laughs> tells the story while paying tribute to Jesse Jackson. And I was amazed that he thought, let me tell the story about how this icon of civil rights likened me to a genocidal war criminal dictator and said I was worse than that than that man. I would, you know, there's there's video of this, but it lives rent-free in my head. And I think that that really symbolizes sort of how much we have not yet grappled with what Ed Burke meant to the city. So he's going on trial. I'll keep writing about him probably for the rest of my natural life. So we'll have time. But this was a really crucial week in that sort of really terrible history of Chicago. Uh, so he was he was in he was in office for 50, 54 years. Yes. 54 years. I have to ask this before we move, Heather. That's only a couple of that's only like five or six ward remapping. So how does the fact that we just redrew our war maps impact his decision to leave? In addition to the fact that, oh, you yeah. know, he on trial for 14 counts of young corrupt. Yeah. Young. So it's a, a huge part of it because his 14th ward the, under the new map is now nearly 89% Latino. So it was going to be seriously difficult for him to win re-election because of the way that that ward had changed. And this was the first time in his history that he had not led that remapping effort because he was too toxic to sort of be sort of on that sort of group that was sort of massaging how that ward was was ended up. We're going to keep coming to you uh, before, <laughs> during, and after the municipal election uh, to break it down for us. Uh, Aaron, we love to draw attention to stories that advocate for the rights of those who have been formerly incarcerated. And you've got a great story from WBEZ this week. Can you tell our listeners about it? Yes, definitely. The story from our colleague, Anna Savchenka, um, about a couple of universities in Illinois that are working with the Illinois Department of Corrections to provide college instruction to people who are incarcerated. Uh, Northwestern University started their program back in 2018, and they were the first one to do it uh, in, in, um, in Illinois like this. And it's called the Prison Education Program. And what's interesting about this story is this program is still considered relatively new, and so they just experienced the first person in their program to finish their sentence and leave the prison in the middle of instruction. Right. And so um, my colleague talked to Maria Garza um, about what she does now in order to finish her instruction, which is she logs on to Zoom um, into the classes that are happening at the prison to, to do the to do her classes. Um, she talked to her while she was doing uh, a science experiment. And so she replicated the, exper the experiment instructions at her house. Had like um, the chemistry set, you know, the baking soda and stuff on the table. <laughs> exactly. Um, and was able to interact with her classmates who she's used to being around, used to being with in class um, to, uh, to, to carry out that experiment. Um, and it's one of those, those silver linings of the pandemic where, you know, the pandemic has created this Zoom virtual life for us where, you know, we can 
have these classes virtually. And a part of that silver lining is that somebody like Maria can log in and finish her classes with her classmates that she started them with. How, how do they adjust for that? You know, for an individual who's home, you know, from my understanding, they they can't really interact with their former peers in the exact same way. So so how do they kind of, you know, handle that dynamic? Yeah, I mean, I would assume that they have the same issues that, you know, a person with a, a hybrid um, classroom would have. Right. So there are some students who are in person. There's this one student who's at home, you know, in Maria's situation with that one experiment. She she unfortunately didn't get the outcome that everybody else got in the class, um, <laughs> you know. And so, yeah, there there are those kind of bumps and things. And so, you know, what's interesting is, you know, I, I am a person who has people in my family and who have had who has had loved ones who have been incarcerated. Um, and so. I definitely know firsthand the barriers that are created intentionally and and um, effectively uh, when you are trying to communicate with someone who, you know, when you're on the outside and they're on the inside, there's a lot of money that you have to end up paying. Um, there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through. Um, and I think with someone like Maria, to have this structure kind of already set up, even though she's kind of the first one to, to you mm-hmm. know, be the be the trailblazer with this um, is is really important to kind of set a precedent for uh, this type of program to go through. I know that they have certain restrictions, speaking of dynamics. So, you know, especially for a person who was already inside with these folks, she has a rapport with them. There is um, there are some concerns, I think, that, you know, this the Department of Corrections may have. And so they do restrict her to, you know, only talk about, you know, um, things regarding their educational program uh, yeah. when she's in the no classroom, family, right? So she can't no, show up and be I like, to hey, people. you know, well, I got these results during the experiment. And also I talked to your daughter the other day and she said A, B, and C. You know what I mean? It's it's kind mm-hmm. of, um, you know, there there are those communication restrictions around what you can actually talk about. Yeah. I taught at Cook County Jail. I taught storytelling for a few years back in like 2017, 2018. And one of the things that was very clear to me so many of them would ask me, like, you know, can I get a certificate? Is there any way for me to show people that I was in this program? You know, they knew that this is going to carry value in a world that is going to devalue them at yes. every turn from standing in front of a judge to to being let out. If you're if you had a house or even trying to get employment or, or you know, trying to rent somewhere. And, and so anything people can do to show that they've completed programs, that they've made these amends and are taking steps uh it sucks that we put people through these hoops, but I've also seen how much that means for a person. And so it's really good to see more programs, more universities, more re-entry programs being considerate to that. Every single episode of CityCast Chicago, listeners tell us it's, it's one of their favorite segments. It's uh, some good news. Ooh to get people through the weekend and that could be something personal in your life something professional an event you're looking forward to but ultimately it's just something that brightens up your day something that gave you energy this week or that's pushing you forward uh and so heather i'm gonna kick it back to you what's your some good news for CityCast this week 
So it has been nearly two years since I have regularly been going to City Hall to cover the mayor and the city council. And if you have not seen Chicago City Hall after Thanksgiving, I encourage you to go see it. There's a tree, there's a train, there are lights, there are wreaths. They do it right. And now, um, I my heart is cold and dead and cynical and um, but even I just got a huge rush of holiday joy by seeing all of the decorations and it really hit me sort of how hard it has been and you don't really mm-hmm. think about what you miss right um, that you know that had become sort of a touchstone for me during the holiday season okay city hall is all decked out. I got to start getting presents, you know, let's have parties. Um, And it was an incredibly sort of poignant moment for me to say, okay, we're, we're back. Like COVID is still out there. Don't get me wrong. People are still dying nearly every single day from it in Chicago. But there was something restorative about seeing those decorations back where they have been um, really for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe, you know, maybe my heart grew three sizes. <laughs> I very much relate to that. I got off at Millennium Station yesterday and I'm not a huge like holiday Christmas Kwanzaa G but like I got in there and they had their like little sleigh and their reefs and as you go through the neighborhoods the neighborhood trees are popping up I can't help but smile uh, how much the decorations can brighten up your day on these cold cold brutal you know walks and then also use the payway if you're gonna go down there use the payway I've been using that thing more and more what's the payway and- the tra- says the transplant <gasps> Ooh, this this has you, to be G. on your tips for new Chicagoans. I think we I think we gave them that one, and we're gonna do like a a, a neighborhood oh, guide for the payway. So underneath downtown Chicago is basically just a bunch of interconnected oh, yes. underground tunnels, and so that thing I got lost to, you, on on my bike the other day. It, come on, you know, yes. <laughs> I, I don't even walk out of Millennium Station no more. I'm not getting <laughs> off there. I'm staying in the pedway. Go go give me some candy from the basement at Macy's, uh, and, and keep it pushing but yes uh deck the halls uh especially at city hall thank you you so much for that heather it's like it's like what they say about about the holy spirit you know you never know when the holiday spirit is gonna hit you aaron what is your some good news for the listeners today all right well, the good news for the listeners is that I am not going to try to replicate that singing you are doing. Just, you know. You, come on, try G. First time, you got to do it at least day. once for me. Come on. She said, nah, are bro, you sh- I'm putting a portfolio sure? together. This can't be in there. <laughs> next time, next time. That'll be incentive for next time. I got you, I got um, you. So uh, my, mine is more, you know, just me focused. You know, you, you live a busy life. You're doing a lot of things. I, I just moved to Chicago. I did a little thing. Uh, you know, launched a little podcast or whatever, and um, it's it's been it's been a crazy busy life, and I have not had a chance until this week to get back into my yoga bag. Um, I'm really geeked. I downloaded some apps. I bought some passes to some places, so I'm really happy to be bringing that mindfulness back into my day. Um, and and get active as well. That's my 
good news. Come on, I ain't even have to wait till next time. I, I, I got a little vinyasa flowing this morning. I went skating Ooh. over the weekend, and so I've been having to get, I've been having to stretch extra the the last, I ain't a young man no more. Them skates be trying to whoop my ass out there. <laughs> um, my, some good news to get the people through the weekend is some journalism love across the city. This week, I went to the Chicago Reader's uh, 50-ish ungala celebration, going to the National Association of Black Journalists holiday party. And uh, I just want to say everybody that I came in contact with was so warm and welcome. Mm. I saw a bunch of familiar faces. I got to meet so many people for the first time. Um, it was just a really good vibe. So I just want to show a lot of love to to Chicago's journalism and media industry. Um, you know, because it's, it's a hard job. It's a tough job. It was real easy to criticize from the outside looking in. I ain't mm-hmm. even finna lie to you. Uh but now that I'm in it, I'm I'm very grateful, and I'm I'm hoping the best for everybody as we move into to 2023. Um, and you know, I, I didn't do this for it, but you know, Chicago Reader gonna get my best of plaque ready. Uh, you know, you know, maybe Erica get it next year. So shout out to WTTW's politics reporter, Heather Sharon, and the new host of WBEZ's The Rundown, a daily podcast you can listen to wherever you get your podcast. Uh, Aaron Allen, thank y'all for making time for us here at CityCast. It was so fun. I had a great time. Thank you, Jacoby. Always fun. Before I let you go, I want to give a huge thank you to the people who make CityCast Chicago possible. That's lead producer Carrie Shepard, producer Simone Alisea, our newsletter writer Sydney Madden, the people who make the music we love, Sam Thousand, all the kimonos, Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop, and all the people back at CityCast headquarters. We appreciate all the work y'all do to make our show and our newsletter as dope as it is every single day. Of course, I got to thank you the people who actually listen to CityCast Chicago. If you got some time, please nominate us for best podcast and best newsletter as part of the Chicago Reader's Best of 2022 list. And I'm going to talk to you on Monday. Peace. Hey, but hey. I definitely grew up in a black church, but I don't know if I can get that off. You know, you you make your editorial choice, my G. Uh, Aaron. (laughs) 